Thank you for tuning in to Play On, the podcast of the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Today we have the chance to talk to Laura Gordon, who is directing Measure for Measure this season. She's previously directed Love's Labor's Lost and The Winter's Tale for the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Laura Gordon spent many years as an actor for companies like the Milwaukee Repertory Theater and the American Players Theater. In recent years, she's gotten into directing, beginning with Twelfth Night for the Milwaukee Chamber Theater and the Utah Shakespeare Festival's 2011 production of The Winter's Tale. Thank you, Laura, for doing this a lot. I know you're busy. This time no, it's my pleasure. Thanks. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, maybe if you could talk a little bit about what first brought you to the festival. Uh, I talked to David Ivers last week, and he said, uh, honestly, initially, it was a paycheck. I got paid <laughs> to do something I love. I'm wondering if maybe your your answer is a little different. And it you've is. You've been here a few times now. Yeah. So maybe tell us a little bit also about what brings you back. Well, sure. I, you know, my most of my career has been as an actor, and uh, I was a member of the the resident acting company at the Milwaukee Rep for a long time, and that's where I first met Brian Vaughn. So Brian and I acted together. Oh, cool! Because Brian for got years some history yeah. at Milwaukee Rep. Absolutely. Yeah. And so when Brian and David took over this place, um, one of the first things that Brian did when he was uh, hiring for the, that first round of directors is he kind of reached out to me, and I had started a directing career in Milwaukee. Cool. Um, but it was a really, a, it was a kind of a big leap of faith for him mm -hmm. to say, hey, Laura, will you come out here and direct Winter's Tale, which at that point was my first Shakespeare that I ever directed. Oh, well, and that's a, not an easy play. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but I was, I was really excited to make that leap. And uh, so that was in the fall of 2011 that I did that. And then I was back last year to direct Love's Labor's Lost and then cool. Measure for Measure this year. Three not easy plays. Yeah, no, none of the most popular plays are sort right. of mixed in that in that group. Mm -hmm. I, I, the arts advocate in me selfishly, uh, anytime I get the chance to speak with someone who's kind of dedicated their their life to theater or you know any art really, I I like to ask about what maybe your entry point was. Mm -hmm. What um, when did you know you wanted to center your life around this stuff? Yeah, it was kind of late for me, and I uh, in high school I took we were required to take either a speech class or a drama class. And I was a terribly shy kid. And so it was horrifying to have to take either of those. <laughs> and, but I opted for the drama class because I was too afraid to take speech. And, and so, I don't know, something happened there. And so I think my entry point was that being an actor and doing plays, uh, I was just much more comfortable speaking other people's words than my own. You know, it kind of gave yeah. me a voice. Mm -hmm. um, and then over time, I mean, I think that that has morphed a lot. Yeah. I'm able to speak on my own a little bit better. And um, but I still I still enjoy that aspect of 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 acting. And it's kind of it's kind of led to kind of a, a bigger kind of global view of this art that we do is mm -hmm. I mean, I think for me biggest fringe benefit, what I get from it the most personally, and it's selfish, but I, I think that we have this, this, this opportunity to experience empathy in a way that is kind of sweeping and broad. I mean, I think that's our job mm -hmm. to kind of put it out there for an audience. I think that's what art does is, yeah. is to try to 
try to get people to recognize something that they didn't know or see someone on stage and say, oh my gosh, I feel just like that, or I never thought of that. And then as an actor, especially, to be able to kind of put on those different shoes mm-hmm. and, and kind of open up a worldview has been really, really rewarding. That's very cool. So you, as a shy kid, you must have really had to challenge yourself then to sort of b- become an actor. Uh, yeah, it's, that... it's kind of ironic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that uncommon. I found it. a lot of actors I've spoken to. Yeah, I mean, I aren't think... really extroverts. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the you know the the preconceived notion a lot of times with actors is oh they want to be in a spotlight and mm-hmm. they want applause and I think that's true for some people but I think yeah. for others it's very different. Are there any, um, working with Shakespeare, you're now, I think I can call you a veteran. <laughs> You've directed Love's Labors and uh, Winter's Tale and uh, Twelfth Night. Uh, yes. Not here, but it, was mm-hmm. it in Milwaukee's rep? Milwaukee it was, rep? no, it was at a small company in uh, in Milwaukee called Optimus Theater. Oh, and right. I also directed a production of Richard III last oh, summer cool. at Notre Dame. And, oh, so yeah, I'm, 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 you're a veteran. I'm getting there. Cool. <laughs> well, can you talk maybe about some of the specific challenges of dealing with, with texts that are, you know, 400 plus years old maybe uh I, I talked to a lot of people about shakespeare that maybe aren't immersed in in theater in this art and specifically middle english mm-hmm. because this is a different language in a way that, that you're dealing with as a director when you're when you're working on shakespeare yeah i mean i think some of the i think the language is is dense but it's also incredibly rich and incredibly human mm-hmm. uh i i get really excited by the structure of shakespeare and the i mean he was never it's it's tough to read I think, I mean, I think it's always uh, was meant to be spoken and heard and felt. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there is a detective process that that goes into it, uh, which I can get all geeky about because I I love all that stuff. And and there's so many wonderful clues that Shakespeare gives actors. And I just, I love that. I love that if the, the structure of a line all of a sudden we change from verse to prose. What does that mean? You know, wow. it's just a clue. It's like there's no real right or wrong answer, but it's they're like these little signposts for actors to go, hey, yeah. something's changing here. Why? Um, so I, I love, I love all of that. Cool. Um, and I, you know, I think my training when I went to graduate school for acting, I think there was, there was quite a bit of emphasis on, on classical theater. And I thought cool. that that's what I wanted to go do. And then I didn't do a whole lot of classical theater for a long time and wow. have come back around to it and have been teaching Shakespeare for actors. And, cool. uh, so yeah, I love it. Awesome. What, is there any advice you might offer to people that maybe feel a little overwhelmed by, by the, the heavy, the dense language as you described it? I, I think you need to cut yourself some slack, you know, mm-hmm. and I think if you come in feeling like, oh, I'm never going to understand this, then, you, you know, you're going to be blocking something for yourself it's almost like I, I had a I have a really brilliant friend who when we were working on um, we were working on Endgame on, mm-hmm. on Beckett and he did a kind of a pre-show talk to an audience because it was that same sort of fear like yeah. what are we gonna how am I gonna listen yeah. to this play and he said for that for that play which I thought was great was it's almost like when you go to the symphony yeah you know and you're not gonna hear every single note or understand but but it washes over you in a way and if you're able to kind of give yourself over to it Mm -hmm. and it's our job to to try to make the story clear and Mm -hmm. accessible Um, so So just relax i think relax i mean i think it never hurts i mean i always like because it's tough for everybody i think it's tough for me the first 10 minutes of listening to shakespeare to Mm -hmm. get my ear attuned to it yeah i think it's always helpful for me to 
uh, you know, read a little synopsis of what happens in the plot so that I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm following along. But I, I think, I think relaxing and seriously, it's our job to try to make that clear for you. Cool. Awesome. Very good answer. Um, you're directing Measure for Measure. Yeah. Right now. And I hadn't spent time with this text since I was an undergraduate in the, the late 90s. <laughs> um, I didn't realize what a good play it was, honestly. Uh, I've been reading it and I watched a, a BBC production from mm -hmm. about 20 years ago. Mm hmm and uh, I'm wondering if you can maybe talk about things, elements in the play, maybe characters or moments that you that you most identify with that, that make this exciting, being yeah. a part of this, this process. I, I'm always drawn, oddly, to uh, difficult plays. I don't know why, uh, but they somehow, uh, somehow on some deep intuitive level, I get excited about them, and I have no idea how to do them, but I feel, I trust that if we get the right people in the room together, we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And so that's really, really exciting to me. Uh, so when I was sitting down to try to put some thoughts together about this play and what we wanted to do with this production, which is mm -hmm. what you need to do months in advance to begin to have a dialogue with designers. Because yeah, yeah. you have to, they have to be wearing something. <laughs> you know, they yeah. have, the stage needs to look like something. So you have to kind of settle on an approach. And I had a hard time with it. Yeah. Um, and I traveled through the decades and places and how do I fit this contextually this play uh -huh. um, because there have been there's lots of approaches to it where um, and I think it's because it's so complicated that mm -hmm. that people tend to say oh my gosh I need to like really zero in on a, on a really tight concept for this play mm -hmm. in order for people to understand it and I was having a hard time doing that yeah. and what I began to realize is that what speaks to me about this play is not any particular theme but it's about the psychological journeys of these characters. Mm -hmm. This is a really complicated play. I'm, you know, Shakespeare didn't call it a problem play, but you know, yeah. critics, you know, hundreds of years later said, "Oh, I think that this is a problem play." You it's know, true, you yeah. know, kind of came at the time when, when Ibsen was writing, and and a critic went to see *An Enemy of the People*, and there's yeah. like this this moral conflict in the middle of that play with, you know opposite opinions about how mm. how it can be solved and so he you know this critic kind of drew a parallel to some of these plays of Shakespeare as being problematic mm -hmm. and I think it's that intense complexity of character and so yeah. I came into the process with just a lot of questions and not very many answers okay. um, because what's interesting to me is why has this duke been so lax for the last 14 years why has why are the have the the law has not been enforced. Mm -hmm. Why is Isabella wanting to join an order that is stricter than, you know, she's like, can I, can I get into something that's more strict? Uh -huh. You know, why, what is she running away from? Yeah. You know, what is it that motivates Angelo to do the things he does? You know, he doesn't want to be a hypocrite. He doesn't come into the place saying, today no, I'm no. going to be a hypocrite. And I think um, that the in the, I think that there have been some approaches to the play that kind of view Isabella as completely saintly mm -hmm. and view Angelo as this kind of demon. And it's and, not so and simple, not as, so that, simple yeah. as that at all. You know, I think that these are deeply complicated, flawed human beings. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting to me is how we navigate the journey of the play. And the other thing that I've been realizing is, you know, I asked myself, you know, whose story is this? And I think a really easy entry point into the play for a lot of us is to say, oh, it's Isabella's story. Yeah. Um, 
But I, oh, is it Angelo's story? Is it the Duke's story? And I, it really feels like such a strong triangle to yeah. me now, really, really strongly, that all three of those characters, in a way, are running away from something, you yeah. know? And I think that the journey of the play for them is to kind of to turn around and face what it is that they've been been trying to trying to flee but I you know I didn't have any answers to these and and the thing that's so cool about a complicated play and in a room full of smart actors is that every day it reveals itself more and more and that my opinion of how of the trajectory of the play and what the ending will ultimately be changes on not a daily basis but a weekly basis and it was important to me uh because I am an actor, I think, uh, to be able to walk into a process and to be able to take in the gut instincts that these actors have about mm-hmm. the characters that they're playing. And, I, you know, I've had an experience experiences as an actor before where I've, I've walked into the first day of rehearsal and am faced with this, you know, costume rendering of what yeah. my character is wearing that doesn't jive at all with who I thought that person was. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of forced to, you know, change my my opinion of her. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't want that to be the case with, especially with these three central characters. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, deeply interested in in who they are. And, and I'm lucky that I, I have three actors who are also super curious about what that journey is and that it's a lot more complicated than something that's black and white. You know, I think this play lives in a, in a really gray, in a gray world of trying to navigate and, and that idea of something revealing itself. I mean, I think that that theme in the play of revelation Mm -hmm. is a strong one as well. Oh, for sure. So I think a lot of people might have a vision of, of directors as these, you know, statuesque people that come into the room and they have this vision yeah, and and they're really just trying to get the actors to buy into this vision and and to you know to stage this vision. Mm-hmm. But the more I've witnessed rehearsals and spoken to directors, I've I found that it's really much more of a collaborative process. Yeah, and you're actually learning about the text as you're working with with actors and, and yeah. Designers. I mean, I'd be such a big liar if I said that I knew if I had all the answers to how to approach this play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it. You know, you short circuit something if if you come into a process mm-hmm. like that, and and similarly with a play that's as complicated as this, I think if and I understand the impulse to want to like latch on to one thematic element and say this is a play about power or corruption or justice and, or yeah. justice, you know, and that's all true, that's all there. Mm-hmm. But I think if you latch, in my opinion, if you latch too strongly onto one of those ideas, you lose a lot of the other threads. Of the story, and I, so I, I feel strongly that it's my job as a director to to try to to try to navigate this text as clearly as possible and as passionately as possible, but to let the themes speak for themselves and whatever is going to resonate for an individual audience member, what their takeaway is mm-hmm. is is perhaps different from what my takeaway is. Yeah, how much time do you spend uh, in speaking in terms of preparation uh, to direct a show with? Uh, previous screenings or previous productions of the play. Do do you at all, or is it mostly you just read the text? It's mostly just reading the text. Although I I did watch a, a BBC you know <laughs> version from the seventies with Kate Nelligan, which was really I I was happy to see it because it was virtually uncut and it it was super clear. So yeah. I mean, because so so some of the language that's on the page, like what are they saying? It was int- it was nice to hear uh-huh. some 
fine British actors, uh, you know, make sense of it. Um, but that was months and months ago that uh -huh. I did that. Uh, I have, I was in a production of it when I was long ago, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and I've seen several productions that left me a little bit mystified. So okay. it's, it's kind of daunting to yeah. take it on because I don't think I've ever felt satisfied with seeing a production of it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So what, uh, what might you try to do differently with, with your, with your direction of this show? What, you know, what's the elevator pitch? What's this production of Measure for Measure going to offer that maybe at least you haven't seen before? What I'm, I mean, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think we're just trying to, to, to figure out these journeys in a really, really grounded, honest way mm -hmm. and not make any assumptions and take yeah. it one moment at a time. And I think it's, I think it's really thrilling. I find it incredibly moving. Mm -hmm. um, the journeys that these characters are taking. And, and I think that sometimes in the past I've seen productions where this, the, the huge role of the Duke, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's big role yeah. and he feels peripheral to me. And whereas I think that he is, the journey that he is on is how to become a better leader. Mm -hmm. And he makes mistakes and he does questionable things, but yeah. at the end of the day, he's really trying to to accomplish something. Uh -huh. um, and I think that that's true of a lot of these characters. Yeah. I, in revisiting the text and watching that BBC production I mentioned, um, I was troubled by Angelo. Yeah. I want to hate Angelo, but as I go through the play, time and time again, he says these, um, he has these amazing lines. He does. Some of the most profound and, and beautiful things in this play come from Angelo. Yeah. And I don't know how to reconcile that. I know. See, isn't that, that's yeah. cool. I mean, that's a lot to chew on for an audience and for mm -hmm. actors. And I think we do a disservice to the play if we just write him off as a, villain. a bad guy. Yeah. You know, I think he's, he's, he is trying to do the right thing. This city is kind of falling apart and he's trying. Mm-hmm. He's trying to, you know, he makes a lot of really great points. And then this woman walks in, this young yeah. novitiate walks in and speaks with, I mean, she glows, you know, yeah. she just, she is grace. Mm -hmm. And he changes. Well, and he even says, it, I don't remember the line exactly, but well, the things most good about her make me want her so foully. Yeah. And that is. And he, oh. there's a, there's a degree, there has to be a degree of self, self loathing mm -hmm. you know oh, with the guy yeah, and the monologues i think that yeah i mean he's really struggling mm -hmm. do you think he does he change does oh he yeah become a different character in the he course does. of this play he yeah. does yeah is there maybe a self-realization for his character uh, do you think yeah that, that i think that, i think i scene? think the whole ending is 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 profound mm -hmm. for many of the characters i i think that the fact that well, both Mariana and Isabella are able to forgive Angelo. This moment mm -hmm. of forgiveness is um, huge for Angelo. It's huge for Isabella to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I'm really intrigued by um, very early on in the play, the first time we meet her, and she's she's at the convent, at the convent and yeah. and, um, and she's looking for a strict order to be in. And there's a knock on the gates, and it's, you know, Lucio is coming, it's a man is coming, and, and the, the other... The other nun says, "Oh, you ha you must talk to him because you haven't taken your vows yet. Once you take your vows, you mm -hmm. don't you, you can't speak to a man." And isn't it interesting? At the very end of this play, the Duke asks her to marry him, and she says, 
nothing. Yeah. She doesn't speak. Shakespeare didn't give her a reply. So what does that mean? He likes to do that. Leave the door open a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And so to, it's um, you know, it's kind of described as one of these these problem plays because mm -hmm. it's not easy to categorize. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's classified as a comedy, and there are a lot of comic elements in it. But I think yeah. it's it's the juxtaposition between this this these intense high stakes kind of moral dilemmas with this other comedy that I think keeps an audience um, a little off kilter yeah in a good way right on um, uh, as a director is this is, is directing any Shakespeare play uh, measure for measure do you harken back to your previous experiences maybe with love's labors or the other plays or, or do you is this experience isolated to, to this text are you really just focused on showing showing the audience everything every amazing element this text has or does it help to kind of go back through the canon maybe and and spend some time with the, the bigger picture? Well, I mean, I think that every experience informs the next one. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I learn on every, every project I do, but um, I'm just trying to go from this particular text and what yeah. it's, how I think it's speaking and, and to listen to everything that it's saying and not ignore certain aspects because <laughs> they, I don't know how they fit in. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. we, we have to solve this puzzle. Excellent. Uh, the Shakespeare Festival here is a repertory theater, yeah. obviously, which, you know, all the plays are kind of going on at once. Are there any specific challenges uh, comparing it to maybe other uh, formats in theater you've worked in that, that maybe make your job a little harder or make it more rewarding or anything like that with, with repertory that's specific? Yeah, I mean, this place isn't, um, unusual from other repertory companies. It's, mm -hmm. it's the, the deal is that the actors are incredibly busy going from one play to another in rehearsal and the directors are waiting for their actors to come back to yeah. rehearse some more. So uh, it, we have, you know, these rehearsal hours that, that span over a longer period of weeks. So there's mm -hmm. more sort of think time and yeah. uh, germination time. And there's more time for me to obsess about what I'm <laughs> am or am not accomplishing. So, I mean, that is that is a definite challenge of yeah. this kind of schedule, for sure. Do you think it's harder for the actors to, to own a role, to focus on something, when, you know, some of these performers have two, three, four jobs yeah. during the course of this? I mean, speaking as an actor who's done this before, I, I sort of love it, you know, mm -hmm. that you're jumping from. And, and it tends, oftentimes, one role tends to teach you something about another role and, and, and they kind of feed off of each other in a kind of a great way, but make no mistake. It's, it's challenging as well. And we're sort of at that point in the rehearsal process, um, where I know that the other outdoor Shakespeare plays that oh. comedy of errors and, and Henry, um, and measure for measure, we're all staging our act fives at the same time. And Shakespeare's act fives are, complicated you know every yeah. character is on stage and you have to like and so i'm feeling for those actors who are in the midst of three act fives right now it sounds like a lot <laughs> it's a lot <laughs> it sounds like a lot is it so you acted for a long time before you got into directing yeah if i'm not mistaken right yeah what um when did you know when did you maybe have the suspicion that yeah. you wanted to be behind the scenes well i think that for a long time as an actor i felt like i had a pretty good idea of how my journey through the play, how I fit into the play. Mm -hmm. I thought I was pretty good at that, but I didn't have um, a sense of the big picture. Uh, but because 
I think it's because I was in rehearsal a lot. You know, I, mm -hmm. I had the the great luxury of being a, an actor in a company, and I did a lot of plays, and I was in the rehearsal room a lot, a lot. and I was watching a lot of stuff happening around me, and I've just I think I just began to glean, you know, the, yeah. the bigger picture, and I got kind of interested in it. And I was given an opportunity to direct a little play for a, a small company in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and it was awesome. I mean, I it, it was such a profoundly magnificent experience where, and it was that collaborative thing. You know, oftentimes as an actor, if someone pays me a compliment, I feel awkward. I feel, Ugh. you know, I don't have words <laughs> like, oh, thank you. As a director, if someone likes my work, I say, I know. <laughs> Wasn't he great? Isn't that set amazing? And sometimes yeah. I even lose perspective that I had anything to do with it. So it's it's just this amazing collaborative thing that real I, I just I just love it. So anyway, I had this this kind of cool little experience, and I spoke to uh, Joe Hanready, who was the artistic director uh -huh. at Milwaukee Rep at the time. He was my boss, and I said, and he had seen this play that I directed, and I said, I, I just need I need to make more time in my life for this to happen. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't expecting him to give me a job. I just was saying, you know, Joe, I might need to take some time away mm -hmm. from the rep in order to to direct some more because it means a lot to me. And yeah. his response was, well, let's find let's find some stuff for you to do here. So oh, cool. he was so instrumental in nurturing this little little passion. You yeah. know, he was he was really instrumental in that. I, I owe him a lot. And, you know, there's just been these touchstone people along the mm -hmm. way that have encourage that you know including including mm -hmm. brian vaughn for you know yeah allowing me to come here and try That's my hand at shakespeare do you do you think you'll do both act and direct going forward or oh yeah i mean i still am you still you're, yeah you're not sort of in the middle of a no of a to, i'm not i i don't want to i mean they feed each other real every time i i direct i relearn something or remember something about acting that makes me want to get back into that. Yeah. And every time I act, I, I'm ready to come back and direct. Um, uh, and the directing thing for me, I didn't realize it at the time, was really going to save me yeah. because as a as an actress of a certain age, the number of roles begin to diminish. You know, it's just uh -huh. yeah. it's a cruel, cruel fact, a cruel truth. And so to be able to uh, direct my way through these years has saved me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Laura. Oh, you're welcome. For Thank us. you. I, I learned a lot about this play, and I'm so excited to see the finished product. Good. So thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to Play On. We hope to present you with an opportunity to learn a little bit more about all the amazing people that come together to make the Utah Shakespeare Festival happen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please click subscribe on the bard.org website so you don't miss any future exciting interviews. Come back next week to hear our conversation with Joseph Hanready, the director of this season's production of Sense and Sensibility, on June 2nd. We would love to incorporate your questions into the Play On podcasts. You can send them by email to podcast at bard.org or through Twitter at PlayOnUTShakes. If you'd like to ask Joseph a question, please send it in by May 29th. We'll be visiting with co-artistic director and the director of Henry IV Part One. Brian Vaughn on June 9th. If you'd like us to ask Brian a question, please send it in by June 5th. <laughs>